Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. We also have Alex, and we watch Point Break, the other version of it. And uh, this stars a man whose name is Johnny Utah, and I'm supposed to take this movie seriously. Parker, explain why. If I have to fucking exp- I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm not mad. And it's cool that you used all those words in conjunction with each other. <laughs> okay, uh, before we actually get into it, Parker, do you have any news? Please say no. Uh, I can say no if you don't want me to. No. It's not that important. No, if you have something, like go ahead and say it. I just feel like, as we all know, the world is absolute garbage. And every day we crawl closer to a hot, fiery death. Sir, but we yes, can sir. take solace in the fact that we have two more Mission Impossible movies by Chris McQuarrie coming our way. That's really all that matters. Like, sure, I could talk about how Aquaman is the first DC movie to make a billion dollars. What? I could talk about a new live-action Hunchback in Notre Dame with Josh Gad, no. which would make me want to kill myself. <laughs> I could talk about them doing another Ghostbusters, so you just have a whole nother year of that to look forward to. Great. Let's just focus on the good things. Back-to-back, two more Mission Impossible movies. There's a thousand percent chance Tom Cruise will launch himself into space. I was I was getting wings and beer with a friend, and I mentioned that they're making yet another Ghostbusters. But this one's set by set in the original universe, but it's done by the uh, by Sony still, so it's still gonna suck. And he looked, he just looks so tired in like the span of two <laughs> seconds. I've never looked so I've never seen someone go from like really excited and animated and just like completely exhausted. He almost fell just... asleep right there. Hey, what's better than having a whole year of Star Wars Episode Nine and new Ghostbusters discussions? I'd love to be online with my friends talking about film. Well, look on the bright side. It's going to be coming out before January 2021, so you're definitely going to get some Cheeto Man jokes in there. Oh, God. Uh, certainly not tired of those yet. Oh, oh my heart hurts. Oh. I am paler than usual. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to make the spirit realm great again, huh? Never heard that one before. No. Thanks, guys. Oh, my God. Oh god, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, no. Talk about anything else. Okay, I, I watched uh, more episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. And uh, I think, Parker, you described it as like the best horror show of all time or something like that. I mean, it's not a... It's not, it's not a, a Yeah, it's not decision. a very high bar to clear. <laughs> There's like four of them. Yeah. I mean, compared only, to Goosebumps. The only other the one out there. <laughs> the only other one out there that I'd say competes with it is Tales from the Crypt. And, uh, I don't know, Escape from Horrorland is pretty good two-parter, Chris. I'm, <laughs> well, you just let me know when we're doing our Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Right. I'm here for it. Well, well buddy, <laughs> that movie comes out the end of this year. <laughs> Who amongst us is ready? It's this guy. Anyway, Hill House takes itself a lot more seriously than Tales from the Crypt, which is both good and bad. Hill House, to the extent that I know, only tells one joke. 
and it tells it so clumsily that I, I felt kind of bad for it. It was the punch in the boob gag, which is like, oh, you stole that from Harley Quinn. But, like, it's it's such a... What just happened? <laughs> it's... I'm, I'm letting it go. Yeah, good. My brain, I'm... Anyway. It might be the heat in this room, but I feel like my brain is melting. <laughs> anyway. We'll find out how it somehow ripped off Mad Max Fury Road, too. Oh, oh God. No, it'd have to rip off something good. Anyway, uh... Hill House is actually very, very well done. Um, I, I think my biggest thing about it is that I'm only on... Um, I just started episode 10, so I'm almost done with it. And I haven't really been scared by anything yet, unless you count the car scene. Which... Uh, yeah, that car scene. That car yeah, scene. That was very well done. Made my soul leave my body. But I, I don't even care that I haven't been scared by it. The story is just so fascinating. I, I really like learning more and more about these characters. I think my favorite character in the show is actually Luke. I, I feel so, like, sympathetic for him. Everyone else is just shitting on him constantly. The dude just wants to get clean. Could you, like, get, show some sympathy towards it? But I think that's, like, I think they're doing this for a reason, you know? It, it kind of shows the way that we treat addicts in the in our society. Um, I I just can never break myself away from the fact that he looks identical to Aaron Rodgers. Well, there's that, yeah. It's, it's rough. It's knowing that Aaron Rodgers would have definitely left his mom in Hill House. I'm I'm just expecting him to stand up after an overdose and do the discount double check, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, by the way, Alex, you described the character that I dislike as having a fist with hair. Incorrect. Uh, they described Theo as the one with a fist with hair. I do not dislike Theo. She's fine. I just oh, I just assumed. No, I dislike the <laughs> oldest sister, uh, Cheryl or whatever, or whatever her yeah. name is. God. I despise her. Every single scene she's in, I just want her to leave. Both as a kid and as an adult. So can we agree that the whole funeral episode is like one of the best episodes of TV in recent years? Yeah, that was God. so well done. I, I really like, I mean, I, I think a, a while ago when we were talking about, I think we were talking about a horror movie. I don't remember what it was. And someone asked us to define uh, what slow burn means. I think Repick asked us to define what a slow burn was. Uh, I I think it's a little bit difficult to say, but I think that episode is a really, really good example of what slow burn means. It needs to be that long and that drawn out. You need to have all those characters get all that stuff off their chest. You just watch it, like, slowly progress. And I, like, it's not a particularly scary show. There's, I feel like they lean more towards the scares in the first couple episodes when they kind of wean off it. But that car scare is legitimately one of the most, like my whole body jolting like oh fuck am i dying like brain yeah. going the defense mode scares i've seen in a long time that w- and i watch a lot of horror that that car scene was so great because i was like laughing at how good that scene was like I, they're just arguing with each other and in the back of my mind i kind of wanted to yell too <laughs> <laughs> and then that happens i'm like thank you and they react perfectly just to pull over and just scream and cry like jesus fucking christ what happened i feel it yeah because that's how I felt. I just wanted to pause and be like, I'm going to take a lap and just <laughs> cool down here. I also like how every single character copes in a different way. Like, Steve just denies all of it and says everyone's crazy. The oldest sister is just a bitch. Uh, Theo j- sort of withdraws in on herself. Uh, Luke turns to hardcore drugs. And Nell well, dies. Anyway, that's how I would deal with it, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I start yeah. seeing ghosts fucking into this podcast and my life. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> No. I see my. <laughs> I think my favorite's the dad, just because he's just so done with it. Like, there, my whole family hates me. 
talk to this dead lady. Uh, he's not dumb. He's trying really, really hard. He's like one of my favorite characters on the show because he just seems like a very realistic portrayal. And that goes a long way. He's fantastic. And I think the casting of the kids, too, like... They're oh all yeah, yeah. Oh, you can yeah. take a look at him. Go, okay, that's her. That's her. That's him. Got it. Uh, except for Luke, that's like the biggest disparity I've ever seen between <laughs> a kid and a grown up. Look, if you're that big of a dweeb and you go through what that kid went through, you are abusing every drug to make the monsters go away. <laughs> yeah, 100%. sure, but a kid who looks like that does not grow up to look like Aaron Rodgers. That's not open for debate. I've never seen a ghost, and I also abuse many drugs to make the monsters go away. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I actually really like the little kid who plays Luke. I think he's one of the best child actors I've seen in a while. Uh, th- there are a couple scenes. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how six-year-olds talk. And for most of the movie, over most of the show, I'm just like, okay, they're, they're kind of talking a little bit older than they really are. Then there's one episode in particular where they're just hopefully reading something else that someone else has written down and like sounding out the words and trying really hard because they are talking like 40 year olds at one point. And I think that's the idea, but it, it was almost laughable at one point. Uh, also, I, it would be remiss of me if I, med- if I didn't uh, mention Screaming Mimi's. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard I had to pause the show <laughs> I think the highest praise I can give for a show like that is it's 10 hours like half of it is them as kids and not once us like get this fucking kid off my screen I'm trying to get yeah. through this that yeah, alone that is, is like that's the that highest is unprecedented praise. as far as I'm concerned to be like oh these kids are really good and not like fuck go back to them and i don't care i don't care i hope they die like to not have that be my gut reaction i'd even go further i spent a lot of the show wanting to go back to them as guys. me too yeah like, no Probably. give me more of the spooky house i want to see more of the spooky house God, exactly every time i saw a ghost in the background on my tv i just like oh fuck i'd have people over who hadn't watched it i'd pause and be like hey do you see that and then they'd be quiet for a minute and go oh jesus and then <laughs> fuck with them the rest of the episode because <laughs> once you know it's there you don't trust yourself like, yep. Fuck, what was that? Fuck. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I think the the one thing I kind of dislike is they use the same sort of thing for horror, for horror over and over again, which is someone's yelling in my face really loud, which I, I guess if you have a hook that you really like, I guess you go back to it. There is a theme going on here, I suppose, but it, it gets kind of irritating at times. But again, it's all worth it for the car scene. So I'm not going to oh, change that's... anything that takes away that car scene from me. It's so good. Because for that scene to work, you it's like, what, episode like nine or some shit? It's episode that's, nine, that's yeah. Nine. Yeah, like, you have to be into it, like these people, be locked into that conversation and that argument. Like, you're all into what? it. That's why you say it like these people, you mean like this person. from the lack of jump scares for the previous six hours. Yeah. yeah. Like, only in something like this can you make something that perfect. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a slow burn, that is the slow burnest of all jump scares. Well, the other thing about it, it's like... And this is like a really, really big thing for me is the reason that Halloween works and the reason that Nightmare on Elm Street works and the reason that uh, Psycho works is that they're all very relatable scares. A A Quiet Place does the same thing is that you can kind of put yourself into that situation. Halloween, you're walking along, you see a silhouette. Reminds me of Mike Myers. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you have a nightmare. It makes you think of Freddy Krueger. Psycho, you're taking a shower, you hear a noise. A Quiet Place, you know, you hear a noise in the dead of night or something like that. And in this, you're just in your car, and everyone, when they get into their car after seeing a horror movie, they look at their backseat to make sure nothing's there, but after seeing this, like, you don't know. 
You know, it's like and you're driving around late at night, like you you keep thinking about that scene when you get into your car. So uh, yeah, masterfully done. And again, the the fact that it's relatable that really helps. Also relatable is you know family struggles and uh, I, Alex, I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters, but it's like it's I do not. it it is sort of an identifiable thing. And my family is not as fucked up as that, but it's just like, boy, I hope that funeral scene never happens to us. <laughs> yeah, it's a boy. What a yeah. fucking great show. Anyway, uh, I also watched uh, not much else. I'll, I'll limit it to one. I have to get going on this. Uh, I was one of the only people in the entire world to watch Welcome to Marwin. Somehow <laughs> yeah. found a way to do that. That's uh, so I I demand to be reimbursed for the ten bucks for the ticket. You got it. Buddy. Now here's the thing. It was well worth. Now it. depends. So here's the thing. Uh, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as Vice, which uh, Alex will let you take on. But uh, <laughs> oh, you saw it too, huh? Yeah, I don't have much to say about it. Mostly because I think you'll have something funnier to say. But welcome to Marwin, Alex. Now I know how you feel when you watch Justice League. This is the closest I've ever come to falling asleep during a movie. <laughs> it was just so boring. Uh, I I'm kind of in this weird sort of situation where I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what people have been saying. Like it's almost ridiculous the amount of negative press this got. Like before it even came out. But like the fact that they submit they they looked at this and they thought yeah this is gonna be like a really really good product and they submitted it for reviews early on and people just came out and said yeah this is not very good. Then the American public saw that and they just refused to see it entirely. It's gonna be that leads to like a huge bomb. But I think that one of the other reasons that this ended up bombing so hard is that you look at uh, uh, Mars Needs Moms and Alita Battle Angels coming out soon and this people aren't really into that whole like uncanny valley look like it turns people off in a really major way i i bet alita battle angels gonna bomb because of that i don't know about bomber or it's it's not gonna make his money back it's people don't like looking at that anyway yeah like, let me check my notes here oh aquaman a billion dollars interesting continue that's not uncanny <laughs> valley that's billion disagree fucking dollars i, I would i i that's not what Uncanny Valley Actually, means. Actually, Chris, it's seven Uncanny Valleys. Yeah, I mean, they're, de- they're valleys, yes. <laughs> Deep in the, the posting trenches. That's where Johnny Utah's from, yeah. Anyway, yes. yeah. Aquaman is an Uncanny Valley. Those They are all human beings in there. These are like these little doll human beings. He sets them up to deal with whatever. And, uh, and, then, he, and then he tries to make them fuck, but Nazis show up. You know, that scene... You like that part? This movie so wasn't here's that the right? thing about that scene is... Uh, <laughs> I've never been so happy to see Nazis come into a scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never thinking you'd be sitting uh, yes, in theater in 2019 to go. Fuck the doll of this other human. <laughs> Thank fucking God the Nazis are finally here. Well, the good news is I was all by myself in the theater. So shocking. Yeah, I had I had to like make fun of the movie audibly in order to keep myself awake. Um, so cool knowing that like since you were there that waiter had to work that movie they couldn't just take oh, that well out. it wasn't a waiter i didn't see it at draft house draft house wasn't oh, okay. I saw it elsewhere um so it was really just Chris, me. is that your uh was that your first experience seeing a movie where the only person in the theater mm, no no i don't follow-up question did you unbutton your pants <laughs> no i i didn't do that because I saw Godfather 2 by myself in a theater, <laughs> and my pants were off two hours in. Thank you for your Godfather 2 unbutton your pants story. So, You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, um, the, the story's really schmaltzy. 
is like that's the best word I could possibly use to describe it. And this could have been directed by like '90s uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, except bad. And again, really not as bad. The story's actually almost interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was somehow based on a true story or something like that. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention for much of it. I was. I think the entire movie I was just thinking about how much I wanted to get back home and eat. <laughs> Um, cause they, they don't serve food at these theaters that aren't the Alamo. It sucks. So, had to contend with that. I would not you recommend... Know what the $12 chicken tenders, dude? What? Like, the $12 chicken tenders you can get at average movie theater? Uh, that, not theater at this theater. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Well, I mean, I also have decently high standards for movie theater food now that I've been to an Alamo. Also, I've worked at a Regal, so <laughs> forget it. Um, yeah. anyway, yeah, that's about as much as I, I, I mean, I also watch a lot of King of the Hill, which is still a fucking masterpiece. Uh, move on. Alex, what did you watch? Okay. Well, I only saw a couple things, and I think one of these is going to be a joint production with Parker. <laughs> if we both entered the Grizzly Maze. We absolutely we'll did. <laughs> we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So... I uh, I spent quite a while at the uh, the old movie theater yesterday. The first thing I saw, as was previously alluded to, was a movie called Vice. Now, Vice is a movie by the guy that made The Big Short. Have you guys seen The Big Short? Yes. I have not, even though I feel like I should. Ooh, I like The Big Short. The Big Short is like a really good movie. Yeah. Like it, it's it it has a point. It doesn't beat you over the head with it, but it makes you think. This movie is so obviously just the guy makes that movie, gets all sorts of award buzz, and then just starts sucking his own dick for three years. Yep. Because, Jesus Christ, this is the most ham-fisted movie I've ever seen in my it, life. It makes me, like, I'm seriously so shocked that it's, like, this bad after The Big Short. You'd think that he put in a lot more time and effort after seeing something like The Big Short. he'd just make the same movie. Like, it's, and it's weird because it's, like, the same cast, mm -hmm. and they're all good in it, but the movie just sucks. Like, I I mean, I personally have an aversion to just getting beaten over the fucking head with, hey guys, you know this thing is bad? You know this bad thing that happened? Hey, you know this bad thing? But, like, this takes it a level beyond even what normally makes me uncomfortable. I mean, let me put it this way. There's one clip of Ronald Reagan in this entire movie, and it's the clip where he says, make America great again. Oh, this entire movie is, is interspliced with like pop culture uh, references from that are like era specific, so you kind of know what time it is. There's one that Parker would appreciate, where they're talking about the first scene of American Idol and his good friends Justin and Kelly. <laughs> um, Thanks, man. But yeah, the, like the closest I came to enjoying this movie is when I saw the Was Up commercial start. <laughs> it's just intercut. It's intercut with C-SPAN footage from 2003 of the following politicians: Jeff Sessions, Mike Pence. Hillary Clinton. Can we be any more on the nose movie? Jesus. Did you get it? It, it? The whole thing just sounds or just feels so desperate and cloying, you know? It's like, I, I, I don't think uh, that the audience is quite as stupid as the director thinks that they are, you know? He thinks we are retarded. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, we still remember stuff from there. We still remember the politicians of that era. You can show us Donald Rumsfeld. You don't have to show us fucking Mike Pence. Mike Pence was a nobody back then. Hillary Clinton, I could like give like a little bit of an exception to because she was still somebody at that point. But I, come on, Jeff Sessions. No one gave a fuck about Jeff Sessions back then, and certainly not Mike Pence. I mean, I'm, but guys, <laughs> but guys, the Cheeto Man, the Cheeto I, Man. I yes. am. I'm sure. I'm surprised I didn't have a scene. Do of you a, know that he's president right now? You know, Sir, the Cheeto Man's president. 
president with his all hair due respect, is bad. Please I am resign, sir. <laughs> counting down the days until he's out of office so movies can be good again. Because I am so fucking tired of movies in the trouble. Yeah, I mean, you it's say It's a golden that, age of comedy, Alex. It's gonna be like eight more years after that when people make uh, movies about, you know, the, the dark American era of President Trump. We're like, oh god, would you move past it? Can't we just accept that our President Beta bucks? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> it's like, it's funny because, like, you look back and, like, you know, when all the shit was going on in Vietnam, it was like a boon to movies because people had a platform to say things. And now it's like, oh, we gotta do what they did back then and, you know, use our art as a way to expose all these bad things happening. But it's just Cheeto Man jokes. It's just Buffalo Bill pulling out a dinosaur's tooth and saying, nasty woman. <sighs> yeah, Remind that's... <laughs> I, I, I'm so fucking tired. Again, it's very this movie, desperate. This movie ends with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney breaking the fourth wall to lecture the audience about how they let this happen. <sighs> It is. It's it's kind of like uh, he 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 saw a couple of those Martin Scorsese movies where a character will break the fourth wall and talk to the audience. It's just like, yeah, you think I'm a monster? How about you? I'm the greatest fucking thing the city's ever seen. The five boroughs. <laughs> You'll never see anybody like me. He just walks off the screen like he owns the place. I, I think the thing about this is there's there's two things I want to get to. It's not just desperate and cloying. It's also very, and I, we've probably implied this, it's very pandering, you know? And, and that kind of bugs me about it because it just but like pandering to who to, who are the hashtag resistance people that want to go see a movie about Dick Cheney I, like, who is this for I, I is this movie like substantially like like or substantively this movie is like exactly for me this is extremely my wheelhouse I love these dumb political retrospectives I see all of them and I fucking hated it. And if you're not getting me, then who the fuck are you getting? It's Again, it's the hashtag resistance. But it's, even then, I don't even know that it's for them. Because the hashtag resistance people are the ones who are going to the point where they now say they miss George Bush. They've just forgotten everything about the Iraq War. Uh, but the other thing about it is, uh, we've said, and this is, we're obviously not calling the movie, but we keep saying it's funny how this... The Big Short had a couple really, really funny moments in there, and there's some really yeah, there's some couple great comedic moments in there. Christian Bale had some great moments. This movie's that not movie funny. This movie has unbelievable characters. Yeah. this movie has characters we already know and already know aren't that interesting. Yeah, this movie is not funny. Like I didn't laugh once while seeing this, and they tried really hard to be funny, and none of the jokes landed. And that is a did huge you enjoy the two minute fucking Shakespeare soliloquy scene? Oh god, I. I was ready to leave. As, as a Shakespeare I guy... I, I saw there were only 40 minutes left, and I'm like, all right, I'll stick it As up. a Shakespeare guy, I was, like, really insulted. Again, this is, like... And there's a whole lot that's wrong with this. For, yeah, for context, Parker, this oh, basically, uh, the whole movie, they set up this Dick Cheney character is, like, really introspective and not talking a lot. And so you get a voiceover that's basically just, like, oh, what were you expecting for this scene? A Shakespeare soliloquy? And then it cuts to him and Amy Adams in bed, and they're just shouting Shakespeare lines at each other, and then they make out, and then the movie cuts back to the real time. I think it's supposed to be a joke. Cool. Wait, this is the that Adam McKay? Like, the yeah. Judy Wilfer? Oh my god. Yes. Well, Who let this happen? Hey, thanks for making Anchorman 2. Why don't you talk about this war criminal who should have been executed ten years ago? Awesome. So there's only one other thing that I want to bring up about this movie, yeah. because it is... Oh my god, I'm still angry about it. Mm -hmm. So this movie has a narrator, right? Yeah. Like, it's a voiceover for the most part. We occasionally see this guy, uh, is, you know, this, like, kind of, like, this blonde guy with a beard, kind of, like, bigger, younger-ish guy. And, like, pretty early on, he's like, 
Well, who am I, are you wondering? Well, I'm kind of like family. We'll get to that later. Parker, do you want to guess what his connection to Dick Cheney is? Oh, my fucking God. No, I don't want to guess. I don't want to know. Too bad. <laughs> Great. So this guy's out for a run complaining about Dick Cheney, and he gets jump scare hit by a car, and we find out that he's the guy who donated his heart to Dick Cheney after he died. That is our narrator. I'm just so tired. I I just want to go back to bed. Parker, if we could make one thing clear about this movie, you should watch The Big Short. The Big Short is actually... I've been meaning to. It it came out of nowhere, then it got a ton of buzz. I was like, I'll watch that someday, and then I just watch Hellraiser 4 instead. It's it's very much not your lane, but it's a really well-made, well-acted movie that's actually funny. Like, basically all of the scenes that take place in Florida in that movie with the fucking douchebag Miami real estate agents are incredible. Like, I... Oh God, I should watch that again. That's a really great it's, movie. It's so disappointing now because the entirety of Vice, all I could think was, get over yourself. Whereas the entire time I'm watching the big short, it's like, I'd like to see his next movie. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I had such a horrible taste in my mouth when I left the theater that I walked across the street and spent $4 and got four beers and then walked back to the theater to see a movie called Replicas. <gasps> I watched it too! Oh my oh, god, I'm you? so excited! It's so <laughs> fucking good! <laughs> oh so, my god, I can't wait. I'm not... <laughs> so I'm not sure I would go as far as to call it good, but it did a oh, absolutely lot of things that I really not. liked. Yeah. It is horrendous, but it is... Baffling is the only word. So I saw it because someone posted spoilers. I read it and went, "Nah, he's fucking with me." There's yeah. no possible way that's the first act of this movie. Oh yeah. Oh, so to set it up, uh, Keanu Reeves, who stars and produces in this movie, or stars in this movie and produces it, I should say, uh, he's some sort of scientist that puts brains into robots. He's going on a vacation <laughs> with his family, and they, get, they all get killed in a car accident. So, naturally, he calls his second-in-command, who is played by the doofy mop-top guy from the Verizon commercials, <laughs> who is in this movie for, like, over an hour. He's what? it so fucking much. I thought he was I the hell. I didn't realize he was a real actor. I thought he was just the Verizon commercial guy. I, I thought he was a real no. customer. They <laughs> 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 just following him around. Don't worry, y'all be seeing him in the new Godzilla movie, my friends. What? I did notice that when I looked at him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> So he, they basically, they, they steal all this tech stuff from the lab, and he clones three of his four family members, because there were only three pods. So, Chris, <laughs> hey, Alex. I'm curious. Oh, oh, no, go oh, ahead. I go think ahead. you're going exactly where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, go ahead then. You take it, buddy. How, okay, I'll just do what you're going to do. Chris, say you're in a situation of a beautiful wife, three kids, they all die tragically. You have four dead bodies, but only three pods. How do you decide which one doesn't get cloned? Oof. That's a, that's a bit ethical dilemma, isn't it? Not Take in this it. movie. <laughs> well, actually, we were looking for the answer. Write the names down and draw them out of a hat. Because <laughs> uh... that's what happens. He just draws a name out of a hat and he's like, Ah, oh, sorry, Zoe. And he just wipes her memory from all of their memory files so they have no memory of a daughter. 
So, <laughs> so this is one of the things that I think is like actually the most interesting about this movie because we've all seen a lot of sci-fi movies with robots and cloning and you know mm-hmm. where is the line drawn and all this that are about all these ethical dilemmas with this. No, the second act of this movie is just Keanu Reeves running around the house trying to find things that his family would remember that wouldn't make sense. Like, like I don't know who, who edited this together, but. Like, all this happens in the first 20... That's the first act, is you learn about him, his family dies, like, alright, I have clones now. And that just happens 30 minutes into the movie. Now there's just a clone family walking around. And it's cool, because, like, rather than just, like, the people, like, trying to understand their new reality, it's like, oh, that's crazy that the milk is curdled. I just bought it the other day, not realizing that 17 days have passed in between, and Keanu just forgot to throw (laughs) away the milk. Like, it's stuff like that, but it's, like, an interesting take on it, I thought. I actually... Like, philosophically, I kind of like this. Of just, like, how would you delete somebody from, like, a life like this? Like, you get a lot of scenes later where the characters kind of start to remember. Like, the one girl is like, who's Zoe? Somebody scribbled Zoe in crayon on the wall of my room. And then the wife comes down the steps and goes, there used to be a bunk bed in that room. What happened? And then ten minutes later, is like, okay, so y'all are dead. You guys are clones. Uh, you had another daughter and I erased her memory from your brain. Yeah. All right. Oh shit! My boss is here for dinner. We'll talk about this later. It's yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I fucking I had a great time with Replica. The, the third act of this movie is so fucking. The good final too. shot. I did an actual honest to god <laughs> scream laugh because I didn't realize that was how the movie was going to end. Oh yeah. <laughs> like and by the way, the worst CGI I've ever seen in a theatrical movie in the last 100%. 10 years. It's hundred percent because the only CGI is this one robot. And it looks like absolute dog shit. It looks unfin- unfinished as being kind. It looks like the first time you render it in fucking Maya on a computer from 2005. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I... This movie is bad, but I had a fantastic time watching yeah. it. Like, I was dying. He'd like, he just so casually is like, all right, so it's just in that Keanu Reeves monotone, like, so y'all died. We had another daughter, but I deleted her from your brain. <laughs> She's like, wait, what the fuck? Oh, boss is here. And then they go on different adventures. Yeah, the third act is, I mean, no one's going to see it, but I'm not going to spoil it. Cause it's yeah, powerful. I kind of don't want to talk about the third act, but the third act of this movie is <laughs> Cannot believe that's how that movie ended. <laughs> Movies are so fucking cool. When we jump cut to Dubai, I was like, no fucking way. It's... And then it happens. <laughs> oh my god. It's January is the most powerful month for movies. It truly is. You cannot convince me this movie wasn't hasn't been on a shelf since like twenty sixteen. Wasn't upgrade a January movie? I feel like it was. Most likely. That seems like something you dump in the theaters. Like, well, four people see it, we'll make our money back. I want to see Upgrade again. Upgrade Same. Is so good. Same seats. Let's watch Upgrade and Replicates together. <laughs> back to yes. back. How Chris, many more dumbass robot movies can we get in on? I know what my assignment is this week. <laughs> so, April. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing that I saw this week was called Into the Grizzly Maze, which Parker, I believe, also oh, watched. Buddy, I entered that maze. I saw that cast list. You told me you were watching it. And it's like, all right, well, I'm not doing anything right now. Y'all, this is one of my favorite Animal Attack movies of all time. It is unbelievable. The cold open with the CGI bear Kool-Aid manning its way through the wall. (laughs) (laughs) 
one of the funniest goddamn things. It's so good. I so I did some digging on this, as Parker noticed. Apparently, the bear that's in this movie has been in a lot of other movies. Uh, without a paddle, we bought a zoo. Uh, Into the wild, Pete's dragon. <laughs> this is like a very famous bear, apparently. Who's in Doctor Doolittle Two as a bear cub? No joke. This all actually happened, and it just made me think: Why couldn't we have gotten this bear for Bear? Because this bear <laughs> is clearly a much better actor than the bear. In bear, bear could not afford Bart the Bear. <laughs> Bart the Bear. How is expensive could Bart the Bear be? <laughs> All right, we can like this movie has a powerful cast. You have Thomas yeah. Jane and James Mars and his brothers, but let's talk about the standout. What <laughs> is Billy Bob Thornton's accent, and why will he <laughs> stop doing it? I have never seen Billy Bob Thor- Thornton throwing 106 miles an hour like he is in this movie. It is unbelievable. <laughs> when he showed up, I was like, oh, that's a fun little cameo, and then he's just there the whole movie. Talking like that, tracking bears through the wilderness. I've been tracking on bears since you were playing with tiddlywinks, jackass. <laughs> God damn it! I honest to God thought like, that's weird. You don't see him in things anymore. Like, maybe he's friends with the director. All right, I guess he's gone now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> then he Every gets his face character. just fucking bitten off. <laughs> Parker, I have a question for you. Absolutely. What is the grizzly maze? That's a very good question, Alex. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. It's referenced several times, and it appears to just be a place in the woods that's pretty the, thick, and bears live there. The titular grizzly, the maze grizzly maze is the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it made me happy that they kept calling it a grizzly maze. <laughs> like, that's a local legend. I'm like, oh, you don't go down to the grizzly maze, you don't come back. <laughs> Every single character in this movie is off the charts fantastic, including my good friend, Johnny Cadillac. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of the old man sheriff who just says the director feels like, yeah, so I'm retired with no money, so I let these poachers pay me to go kill bears. So what of it? So what they got eaten? <laughs> <laughs> this movie, like, I mean, I'm not saying the CGI in this movie is good. The practical effects with the bear are very good absolutely but as far as like a movie with real animals mauling people this movie kind of looks fantastic they trap that bear in a, in a cgi ring of fire <laughs> <laughs> that they do <laughs> no but like so many of these things like you see like a clearly cgi shark biting off a clearly cgi leg or you see like a bigfoot getting jump cut away from as the action starts this bear actually hits people. Yeah, like, they use the bear as much as possible without murdering people because I'm sure they did not have insurance. Yeah, there was, the the ratio of real animal to CGI bear is much higher than you would think it would be. I'm pretty comfortable calling this Deep Blue Sea in the Woods. Honestly, that's fair. It's on that level. <laughs> I fucking love the grizzly maze. <laughs> And the last thing I have on this is I want to read to you the description of a movie that I found while looking up other bear movies to watch this week. Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) This is from a movie called The Edge that came out in 1997. Parker! I know what that is. Parker, do you remember when they talked about it on Frisky Dingo? I absolutely do. (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of. An intellectual billionaire (laughs) and two lesser men struggle to band together and survive after getting stranded in the Alaskan wilderness with a bloodthirsty Kodiak bear hunting them. 
Starring Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin, and El McPherson. Great big <laughs> whacking bear. Instead of betting on playoff games, can I bet on the probability of you watching that before next episode? Uh, no, because that would imply there was a possibility that I didn't. I would like to recoup. already downloaded and ready to go. It would be ready for this episode if I had any more time and wasn't sick. <laughs> what a powerful week. So that's all I've got. Parker, what do you got? Okay, I need to ask. Do I need to go quickly here? Ideally. I don't have a ton. Okay. You can cut out what you think can, isn't interesting. I can condense some of these down. For this. So, I had a mix of real movies and not real movies. <laughs> so I watched You Were Never Really Here. And I'm very happy we didn't do a top of 2018 list, because this should have been on it. It's fucking great. Uh, what's his name here? Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic in it. And I, So he's this dude, he's this war veteran, has a whole fucked up childhood, seen a whole bunch of fucked up shit in the war, he's in the FBI. Basically his brain is just broken, and his job is to rescue traffic girls by very, very brutal means. And I can't remember who said it, but someone else described it as... He is the real-life version of that dude from action movies, where it's like, oh, man, that guy's seen some shit. You don't mess with him. But he's not like Jason Satham. He's just a fat dude with a big, bushy beard who has just seen horrible, awful things. But he has a hammer, and he will use it in especially awful ways when the time comes. He is fantastic in it. The score is great. I mean, I walked away from this movie like, all right, maybe that Joker movie won't be that bad, which... It takes a lot to get me to that point. So, so. you're excited for it? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Greetings. But yeah, that between this and First Reformed last week, it's like, boy, I should probably start watching good movies as they come out. Yeah, it helps. Speaking of watching good movies, so it turns out I'd never seen Old Boy. I thought I had, but I must have seen something else and gotten it confused. So I watched Old Boy. So that's a five-star perfect movie, huh? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I have to ask, which version? No, you know which version he watched. Stop. Right. Uh, so I watched a Spike Lee joint. <laughs> <laughs> no, he know which version yeah, I watched. I've, that is... I mean, I just have to be careful. With I must have thought of, like, it must have been in that time period, because it came out, like, 2003, I think, yeah. where I was, like, starting to get into movies. So, so you I didn't just, know like, the twist? Idiot. Oh, I knew the twist. Like, oh. I knew the spoilers, because that's been spoiled. But that probably came out in that time period. It was like, I'm going to get into movies. And you just go into the IMDb Top 100 yeah. and just watch all of them in a row, and they all just fuse into your brain. Yeah. And I can't distinguish one from the other. So I'm sure I mixed up, like, half these plot points with something else. But Old Boy is probably my, my favorite twist in movie history. It's so it's I wish I didn't. One. wish I didn't know it, but did not hurt the movie. I, every single is time. It a, is it a better twist that he's not a double agent, he's a triple agent? <laughs> asking for a friend. <laughs> <sighs> you know, <laughs> column A, column B. Uh, I mean, old, old boy is uh, old boy is a lot of fun. I still think the Handmaiden is a better movie, but Old Boy is so much fun to watch. I'll get to it because it turns out that whole Revenge trilogy is just streaming on Shutter. So I'll get to. It. I'll be watching those other two first, and then I'll get to it. You can't be on the internet in the two thousands not being, dude. If you seen this Korean movie, it's that's a sick action scene followed by. 280p YouTube link. <laughs> so I was aware of that and of the twist yeah. and of him eating the octopus. But that's about it. So, yeah, good times all around. Yeah. The other real movie I watched. So it turns out Pan's Labyrinth is on Netflix and I haven't seen it since it first came out. Y'all, Gilbert Del Toro is my favorite director. <laughs> like, that's just all there is to it. That's <laughs> bold. Like, it takes a lot. You know me. 
I remember when this movie came out, watching it on a shitty little portable DVD player in my room because I didn't have a TV in it. Me, little fat me, watching a foreign movie with subtitles, it ending, and then starting it over and watching it again with the commentary on to listen to him talk about it. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's I, a I good feeling. I love him dearly. I love him dearly in my bones. I, God. Movies are good sometimes. Speaking of, I watched a movie that Alex watched sometime last year. And so, yes. to tell you a bit about this movie. So it's about this guy's a former soldier. Him and his wife go into the woods. And an accident happens. We don't know what happened to her. So he has to go and investigate and find out what took her. Yes. So he goes deep, <laughs> deep into the woods to set the record straight. Encounters the thing. And then at the end of the movie, he wakes up in a hospital bed with Lance <laughs> Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I watched Big Legend. <laughs> Big Legend, as you might remember, has... Not the best, because Master of Disguise is the best, but the second best IMDb trivia, where the lone piece of trivia is, this is Lance Henriksen's fourth Sasquatch movie. <laughs> <laughs> the others are the untold, abominable Sasquatch Mountain. So Sasquatch Mountain also was not very good. Yeah! <laughs> I also saw that one, so... It's, you can tell it was made for sci-fi. The color grading is offensively like awful to look at. <laughs> the whole movie go centers around this fucking like these dudes rob a bank they run into the woods and then Squatch happens and in the last 15 minutes they're still having standoffs with the local cops about said bank robbery even though they all know there's a Sasquatch out there <laughs> it was horrendous but what not as it? bad as the untold <laughs> oh boy out of the most boring Bigfoot movie I've ever seen in my life is it you don't get than, a. Uh, is it worse than the Bobcat Goldthwait one? Absolutely. Jesus. Because you see him in this movie, but you wish he hadn't. He shows up in the last three minutes after this unbearable, boring slog of Lance Henriksen and also local community theater actors just droning on in the woods for 90 minutes. And with three minutes left in the runtime, you get a full, non shaky cam, full on glimpse of him. And it's fucking god awful. The worst costume I've ever seen. <laughs> that will be the album art for this episode because it is baffling. <laughs> like, oh I'm not. God, I just looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying this movie was just shot out of order and thrown together, but there's a woman who slowly and centrally gets undressed in a tent to softcore music, but it's made for sci-fi, so she can't get naked. So it's just her, like, stripping down into, like, a tank top slowly. <laughs> then she gets dragged off into the woods by Sasquatch, but she's rescued. And then ten minutes later, she gets fully naked and gets in a hot tub. Like, <laughs> what the f Do you not remember the time the Squatch got you? Nope. Time to flirt with 78-year-old Lance Henriksen in a hot spring. <laughs> I'm not one to not do all the things all the way through. So I rounded it out with the fourth and final Lance Henriksen movie, Abominable. It's actually real fucking good. <laughs> it's... Okay, so he's not the star of it. He has a smaller role. But let me put it to you this way. So we meet this main character. And he's gonna go stay in the, off in the woods. His doctor is telling him to go back. Obviously a bunch of Bigfoot shit happened there. And the reveal is... He's in a wheelchair? <laughs> this dude is like completely paralyzed from the neck down. And he has to go against the Squatch. And for a while, it just turns into a rear window with him watching these like party girls next door getting picked off by Squatch. 
And then just out of fucking nowhere, we go deep into the woods with Lance Henriksen and Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator talking in a <laughs> accent the whole time. We get to hear them have a conversation that goes as follows. You don't believe in Squatch? Hell no. The water you do in here. I like to kill shit. And then they get haunted by Squatch. When Lance Hendrickson dies, he lets out a Wilhelm scream. It's the principal from the Breakfast Club is the grumpy sheriff. And we just get to the end where it just gets real fucking violent and dumb. And it's it's a very powerful movie. So, one out of four for old Lance. But you better believe, <laughs> much like Tyler Lairs and Jackson Wells... I too will return in the Monster Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. God, I already started this download. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Movies are great. Who wants to talk about Point Break, fellas? All right, uh, let's let's talk about Point Break, the other version. So it's like the good Steve Smith of movies. <laughs> 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 I called the good Mike Williams version, but let's be real. They're all great. So, um, Point Break is a 1991 action movie directed by Catherine Bigelow, who was married to James Cameron. Uh, and it's got Keanu Reeves, Lori Petty, and Patrick Swayze. I feel ashamed I said Lori Petty's name before I said Patrick Swayze's name. But uh, the fact that I saw Lori Petty's name in the opening credits, I was just like, oh, wow. It's She was a really good character actress for a little bit, but this is almost like a almost bizarre for her to be a normal, regular, everyday leading lady. Uh, and in this movie, I don't know that I'd say that she's miscast, but uh, it's it's almost like she's not necessarily... It, it almost seems like she doesn't know what to do in this movie, you know? She's someone who, again, is better as a character actress, and they're just asking her to play, like, a regular role. I don't know why I'm talking so much about Laurie Petty instead of Keanu Reeves and, and Patrick Swayze, but you know we're going to get to them. I'm offended that you didn't list Gary Busey as one of the stars of this movie. Oh, I was going to get to that, and John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley in this movie, Jesus Christ. Oh, we talked about him, yeah. But boy, he commands the presence every time he's on screen. Every single time John C. McGinley's on screen, I think to myself, wait, he's the only hero of the movie. He's he's in the right in every single dispute. The first scene, he tells Johnny Utah he's young, dumb, and full of cum. Which Same. of those is a lie? None of them. Every single he part is the of the hero this deserves. It's like, it, I mean, here comes this young, hotshot punk quarterback uh, who also went to law school. Yeah, Keanu Reeves in law school, sure. Uh, I have to take this. Have you seen yeah. the least believable part of his game? Yeah, absolutely. I believe everything else yeah. unconditionally. Yeah, everything else. I 100% believe he was a Big Ten quarterback. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, in the football season, it's just like, all right, that's an eight yard out. Uh, but uh, every single time, it's like he's going through there, it's like you have to retrieve a break off the bottom of a swimming pool. Yeah, sure. Um, all, all these scenes uh, kind of meld together, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to work really hard. And it's like, you spent the first two weeks learning how to surf. We have to get. We have to stop all these bank robbies. You're doing nothing. He, John's McGinley's entirely in the right. Then he ruins a DEA raid I mean, or DEA like <laughs> undercover bust, whatever. It's like this guy's an awful FBI agent. Yes, but hey, let's back. I get look at him. <laughs> look at him. I'll look at Keanu. <laughs> Why would I ever look at Keanu when Patrick Swayze is on screen? Patrick Swayze is a golden god in this movie. He is. Like, it's so unfair how good he looks. 
Like th- that first scene where he steps out of the ocean, it's really like, huh. I gotta go make peace with the things. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> it's it's weird because I think he was uh, how old was he in this? I think he was like what thirty nine in this movie, and he looks about thirty nine. Like the first time I saw, it, I was like, oh, he looks a little bit older than I thought he was. But every other scene of the movie, I'm going back and forth. Like, he looks a little bit older. Then wow, he looks a little bit younger than I remember. It's, he's very much in between, and it works for him. Everyone else, it's 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 almost uncanny valley Alita battle angel stuff. But for him, he is yes a golden god. I need that hair. It's oh so my god! <laughs> he is strong like Samson in this movie. Every single time he just comes, he comes to uh, Keanu Reeves' house. To, sorry, Johnny Utah's house, and Thank knocks you. on the I door to open it and invite him out surfing. I need that. Yes, sir. In my Wherever life, you need me. <laughs> Wherever you want me to go. <laughs> We're going from a plane today. I just fucked up my knee. No, we're jumping out of a plane. All right, fuck it. I mean, sure. <laughs> he totally works because, like, how did he just like convince all these people to rob banks? Of, oh, because he Cause looks into your eyes, guy. and then yeah. you just you just do what he says. Because look at him. Are you gonna not? Are you gonna miss out on a chance to surf and jump out of planes with Patrick Swayze? Sure, you'll commit some federal crimes, but like, <laughs> sign me up. The Done. ultimate thrill, man. So, it's it's difficult to describe why this movie works. Um, before we get to that, we are kind of leaving out Gary Busey. I, I don't want to go any further without talking about Gary Busey. Uh, Parker, tell me what you said about Pas- uh, Gary Busey. This. <laughs> I love that every time someone addresses him, they say his name Pappas. Like, they just want to fucking <laughs> spit on the ground after they say it. Everyone just looks down on poor old Gary Busey this whole movie. I <laughs> think... Fucking Christ... <laughs> I think in that way, this role is kind of perfectly cast. I don't it know is. if this was true in 1991, with the idea of Gary Busey we have now, just the idea that he's being shit on by all these other cops, because he's fat, a lazy, and a weirdo this whole time. 100% place. <laughs> he was still, like, pretty high in, at his power, but, I mean, you just look at him, it's perfect. He's dressing like Fat Mac the entire movie. As soon as I came, it might be surfers, like, alright, cool, I can... <laughs> the time Bahama shirts. I mean, that's one of the most <laughs> embarrassing things is, again, that retrieve a brick blindfolded at the bottom of a swimming pool thing. Gary Busey wouldn't be able to do that. Just, he Absolutely. would not be able to be an FBI special agent. Also, the if you The crucial made... scene is that they get away from a bank robbery because he's too busy eating a meatball sub. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's the most relatable thing. The last thing is, this, man, I could eat three of these. Oh, shit, those guys are guns. It's... Oh I, man, that I, scene I, was so important to me. Not just because he ordered two meatball subs and a tuna on wheat. God, I got so fucking hungry. <laughs> I wanted that insane. so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> but while he's placing that order, the bank robbery's going up behind him. I desperately wanted him to walk away and the bank robbery goes off without a hitch. <laughs> and then he gets yelled <laughs> at by John C. McGinley like, It's right behind you! <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck does Catherine Bigelow not get more work? Like... <laughs> Her movies are so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything about this movie works. Like, even... I know you brought up your issues with Lori Vetti in this movie, but that's, like, the worst thing about the whole package. Like, for a big, dumb, two-hour action movie, this is, like, one of the most relatable, believable movies in that genre I've ever seen. Like, Which is really like you weird. you watch it as a teenager, you might be like, huh, that's kind of funny, ironically. But you watch it now, it's like, yeah, I'm almost 30. I definitely understand the feeling of looking around and going, huh, so this is my life, huh? This fucking sucks. Maybe I should just... 
say fuck it and go hang out with the surfing dude. See, that's yeah, the that's the thing about it. this being a believable, relatable movie. It's not just that the main character's name is Johnny Utah, but the movie actually addresses how kind of bizarre the premise is, and that's with uh, which is weird because like going into the movie, you know what it's about because you've either seen the trailer or you've heard about it or you've seen the poster, and you know it's about surfers who rob banks. But when Gary Busey says it, he's like, okay, get the theory about the bank robbers. It's like a 20-minute a pause while everyone's just looking at him. They're surfers. And you're just like, oh, wow, that does kind of sound silly when you say it out loud. But, uh, oh, and yet that is this movie I'm watching. Shit. And yet, uh, it's actually... And I'm coming from a very dis- different perspective from you guys, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, it When it plays out, it's actually very uh, understandable. It's, believable. it's a very simple story, and uh, the characters are all well done, and you believe it. Contrast this... With the remake, which is perhaps <laughs> the dumbest shit. You know, that's the thing is, like, I don't know if anyone who worked on the remake actually saw a point break because they're so very different movies for me. It's like you missed the entire point of the original one. Like, the original one is just like, yeah, man, you know, we're just trying to have a good time, man. Whereas the remake is. Oh, there's like ancient shamanism going into this sort of thing. Oh, that's ridiculous. Wait, what? I don't, I don't, yeah, I see, don't know the best. Do I need to watch the remake? <laughs> I, I feel all, like yes. we're gonna end up there, but it would ruin my my mental image of the remake, which is just the extreme guys from Harold and Kumar. Again, yeah, <laughs> not that's entirely fair. wrong. <laughs> you think those guys play Halo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like uh, again, this is like all the characters are like. Uh, for the most part, believable. I don't know about the the white power surfers there. <laughs> he, he fucking believe Nazi the guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was a white power surfer. <laughs> it's the most believable thing in the world. Patrick Swayze looking at Nazi surfers and saying they only live to get radical is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you said the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers. If they made a surfing suit that was just that skeleton suit that he wears, Alex, would you be a surfer? <laughs> <laughs> I would not be doing this podcast because I would be crashing the waves. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> this movie is so fucking good. What, what was that guy's like, name? Uh, War something? War Daddy? War Child? War Child. Child. Uh, rest in peace, Christy Mack. <laughs> Had to look it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why must you do this to me? <laughs> like, this movie, like, you forget... Like, oh shit, there's just like a massive raid scene, and he almost gets his face destroyed by a lawnmower. Oh yeah, that scene, no wonder Parker had me watch this. That seems like something out of one of your horror movies. Like, you know, like, oh, there's no way Keanu Reeves is going to die halfway into Point Break. But you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? It's so good. It, oh boy, that, that, again, that, that entire thing, I was just like, Jesus, is this going to turn into Dead Alive or something? Every time I watch this, I forget that it's rated R. And I'm yeah. always pleasantly surprised like 10 minutes in. They say the yeah. F word 105 times. This could be anything <laughs> but rated R. Also, he gets his ass kicked by a nude woman. I know. Yeah, but, but, that like, scene is so good. God, just, he gets fucking, fucking dumpstered repeatedly. This movie doesn't come out as an R today. Like, even like ignoring the remake. If this was an original concept now... This doesn't get an R rating. I mean, not if, casting these like hugely bankable stars and teaching them how to surf and not recouping all that money. I, I'm going to be completely honest. This movie could have come out in 1991, and they could have had it PG-13 if they had just cleaned up the language, except for one use of the F word, and had that woman in a bikini. 
fuck that. A nude woman yeah, beating no. the shit out of Gary Busey. Is also, like, they would have had to edit the scene where the guy literally shoots himself in the foot. It's so also, good. they would have had to edit all of the mooning scenes, which are a critical plot point. Exactly. Which I do you think? Uh, do you think the real Richard Nixon had uh, uh, that tattooed on his ass? I, hope so. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about the uh, the dead presidents. Uh, the ex president is such a good fucking like. It's such a good idea for a movie like it's, this. It's not just like, that. It's also much. like, A, the fact that they refer to themselves by the president's names, which I don't know why. It's such a little thing, but I really like it. It's also, B, that Nixon does the entire thing in a Nixon impression. It's, it's like to. only 25% of a Nixon impression, too. Like, if you really want to go all into it, anyone else here could do a better one. But the fact that he does it at all is really funny. But the other thing is that they're such a likable gang. They're just like, wait, they're kind of funny. They're 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 charismatic. They're entertaining. I want to see them rob more banks. Imagine if we get the Dark Knight with these guys instead of like that opening scene with those clowns who don't really have personalities. If we had had these guys instead, it's somehow a better movie. Yeah, nobody would be talking about Heath Ledger because movie would just be all about those. Guys. Exactly. Like that they kind of concept, the ex presidents robbing banks, like. That, that's your elevator pitch, right? Like, that's yeah. how this whole thing has to start. It's like, all right, we'll figure out the rest of it, but, like, there's our movie. James Cameron, go get someone to give us money. <sighs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. No, no, I'm, I'm just... That's fucked. Uh, no, I'm just dying here. Uh, sorry, now I'm thinking about that tuna on weed scene. Uh, so, I, I want to get back to Laura Petty really quick. I don't necessarily think that she's bad. Uh, I do think that she may actually be a little bit miscast because for most of the time, you can see her blue eyes just sort of looking around being like, you guys want me to tell a joke? Uh, say something wacky? You know, do a little dance or something? What's, what's going on here? It, it almost seems like she's out of her element here. But she is still see, fun I to watch. I kind of thought that was intentional. I thought she was just like one of the. She was supposed to be like one of these people that was swept up in this like cult like gaze of Patrick Swayze. I thought that was kind of the idea. Because like the scenes that he's not in, that she, that like it's just her and Keanu, she's like very much more grounded and level headed. Like I thought they were intentionally using her as just like, oh, she's just fallen under his spell. Okay, so my biggest defense of her, and this is going to be sort of a time relative thing, is that. Casting her is a very unique for 1991. They could have got anyone for this. They could, have, they could have got Kathy Ireland for this, but they went with Lori Petty, which is a far more interesting choice than anyone else out there. And the other thing is that if they remade this movie today, not the 2015 version, but if they remade it today, they cast Ruby Rose in that role, and it's completely uninteresting to everyone except God, for Loaf. It just made me so <laughs> irrationally bad. So who do we have today that could actually play the Keanu Reeves role in this movie? That could... Like Matthews Reeves. <laughs> it would be fucking Charlie Hunnam or whichever of him is. And a dumbass rookie cop who's actually smart but has to play dumb. Who do we have that can do all of those things now that Paul Walker's gone from the world? We're calling Keanu God, Reeves. Rest in peace. I mean, who is the 2019 Charlie Hunnam slash Jai Courtney? Because that's your answer. Don't talk to me Which about Which dead eyed CW dude is going to be. Here, the guy from Arrow. There you go. Um, <laughs> that's, your, that's your Johnny Utah. Uh, you know they'd probably put like Will Smith in this role as Bodie. Will Smith ain't learning how to surf for this fucking movie. <laughs> He's too busy being a genie. There, there's absolutely no way they get someone to replace Patrick Swayze for this role, first of all. That, that's okay. Can we also talk about Patrick You're Swayze? You're crackling the... a good gamer. Oh, fuck I, you. I, I completely agree that Patrick Swayze is irreplaceable, but I'm kind of in there for the Channing Tatum in the Patrick Swayze Ooh, role. Ooh, wait. Okay, I... now you talked me into okay. it. Okay. 
That, that actually might be pretty good, too. So, uh, am, am I crackling? You were. It's okay, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to stop you before we got on a big tangent. Thank you. To, so, my thing about Patrick Swayze is not just that he's a gorgeous golden god that I want to tongue kiss, but more importantly, he's just so fucking charismatic in this. Like, every single thing that he does with his eyes, you immediately buy into it. You you always want to see what he's going to say, what he's going to do, you know, what's going to happen next with Bodhi. With Keanu Reeves, I always got, like, kind of sidetracked. It's like, yeah, he's, he's fine in this. I'll, I'll get into his performance later on, but... Patrick Swayze in this, he feels like that real character, you know? Which is, I mean, he does the same sort of thing in um, Roadhouse, which, by the way, future episode. I'm surprised we haven't done it twice by now. <laughs> I mean, oh, I got no plans for this one. We really should do that, like, twice a year for some reason. But uh, I mean, This is what happened over the summer. Roadhouse. I watched Roadhouse, and I went, man, I should watch more Patrick Swayze. And then I watched Point Break immediately afterwards. Yeah, there you go. So, if you want to do it next week, that's fine with me. I mean, we're doing Hell with the Doc next week. But, uh, in this movie, he's just like, again, you really believe every single thing that he does. Uh, and he makes even the most, like, bizarre choices seem like, yeah, you know what? I don't care, because Patrick Swayze did it. And a great example is that, uh, Keanu Reeves is, uh, betting Lori Petty, and then she gets she, she disappears, she runs away because, oh, I found out you're an FBI agent and runs away. And uh, then Patrick Swayze comes, knocks on his door, he's just I didn't like... realize Harley Quinn was in this movie, too. Oh, no. That was the worst impression of either one of them. I'm too tired to do a good impression. Patrick Swayze knocks on Keanu Reeves' door, he's like, hey, come on, man, we're gonna go out. And he's like, uh, I, I don't really know if I'm feeling it. He's like, nah, dude, we're gonna go skydiving. And they go skydiving, and it is this life-changing moment for Johnny Utah, who's just like, oh, this is incredible, I love this! And then he lands, and then Patrick Swayze reveals that he kidnapped Lori Petty. It's like the biggest buzzkill I've ever seen. Because that whole skydiving scene works, because you know he knows, like, I mean, he definitely saw me. Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah, chased there's... him throughout the city. He knows that I know. But you just get fucking trapped in it, man. You're like, I mean, yeah. I, guess, I guess I can't say no. There's more of them than me, and my knees fucked. I guess I go skydiving. This is incredible, you guys. It's a good way Speaking to like draw him thing. in, you know. Speaking of the knee thing, isn't that like incredible breadcrumbing where they it's bring up so the fact that his good. college career ended because of a knee injury, oh, yeah. and you don't think about it again for over an hour, and then his knee fucks up during the chase scene, like. And then you're like, oh yeah, they did say that. It's like, oh cool, everything in this movie was there for a reason. Somebody who made this movie had a clear beginning, middle, and end planned out. Unlike most of the movies I watch. Yeah, I always forget that. Like, on top of being good for the reasons we like the movies we like, it's actually just a well-written, well-shot, well-paced movie. Because it does not feel two hours, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's if like I had to guess, actual... I would have said like an Real hour 35 tops. And then you it's, look, it's like, it's... What? It's not just a good movie. It's an actual good movie for reals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that being said, there is a lot of... Uh, I don't like using the word cheesy or corny or anything like that, but there is a lot of, like, sort of laughing at the movie rather than with it, and one of them is Keanu Reeves' performance in this. I, it's not just the fact that he's still doing his Bill and Ted voice, which I do think he cleaned up later on in life, uh, but his, his voice, his whole performance in this is... It very much feels like he's reading cue cards for a whole lot of this. And he's still trying really, really hard, but you can sort of feel how hard he's trying in this. And a lot of the the decisions he makes with some of the way that he reads his lines just... 
it, it works, but not for the reason that he wants or what Catherine Bigelow wants. It's it's almost funny to kind of laugh at his performance. And, and none of the I lines really... I, I don't know what, what lines there were, but there were a couple that just sort of stuck out to me. It was just like, I have no idea what you're... Uh, a, a good one is when Lori Petty runs away from him and he calls her up. And whatever he's saying to her, I was just kind of laughing at it the entire time. I think it works because he's just this kind of blank slate who just gets molded like immediately like, Hey, buddy, why don't you come hang out with me? Let's go surf. Hey, we're best friends now. Hey, guess what? I'm, I'm in your brain. I mean, I'm, I'm, not going, I'm not going to say that Matthew Broderick would have done a better version of this. I'm not going to say that Val Kilmer would have done a better version of this. But I'm just saying that the performance is it's a little bit laughable for me. And I, that I makes me like the movie out. more. Sorry. So... I, mean, it's I, I didn't realize this came out like two years after Bill and Ted. That honestly might just be his voice until he got better. I, again, I didn't I, realize how close they were. Again, I, I kind of like identify people with their voices and contrast this with a far worse movie. It's like his voice in Knock Knock is very like distinct for me. They're very, very different. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how much he talks in uh, John Wick, but that's like another one where it feels like a pretty big difference. I mean, that's 1991 to... 2014. Yeah, it's not just like the pitch shifting and everything like that, but it's like I think the way that he talks is just a little bit different. Uh, I'm sure after Bram Stoker's Dracula, he's like, alright, I'm gonna go to a speech coach or something. Yeah, that, that might actually be sucks. one too. <laughs> I haven't seen Bram Stoker's Dracula in a while. <gasps> Don't get your hopes up to the piece. Um, <laughs> so, I guess we should really talk about how similar this is to The Fast and the Furious. We really should, yeah. because it's the same fucking movie. <laughs> Except with VCRs. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason both movies are incredible. If you're going to steal, steal from the best. <laughs> Man, Paul Walker really is the perfect guy. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. Yeah. just got sad all over right. you. Imagine Paul Walker and Channing Tatum. God damn it. I'm fine. Y'all talk for a minute. I'm just gonna so here. which is the better movie, Point Break or uh, Fast and the Furious? You have to pick one. I will one. not pick you my favorite pick child. One. I will not pick you my favorite pick child. One. It hurts, but it's Point Break. Yeah. Now, if we're talking Fast Five, where Paul Walker like, learned how to act in that five years, uh, now we're talking a different conversation. I, I, I agree that it's Point so Break, in the first but Fast and the Furious, I think, is up there. It's, give me, like, ten more years, I might push Fast and Furious up there. Also because this movie is a really good time capsule, and not just a, like, oh, yeah, the 90s, they had VCRs back then, but it's also, like, the way that early 90s movies were made, you know? There's a certain way that they photographed the sun in those movies. There's a certain, like, the alarm clocks were different back then. I, I don't know, there's just something about the way that 90s, especially early 90s movies look back then that I just really, really like. And I'm going to end up saying that in like 10, 12 years about early 2000s movies and Fast and the Furious is just shining a sample of that. I mean, I grew up with Fast and the Furious a lot. Not as much Point Break. So we get more years down the line and I have more nostalgia. When I'm looking back at the glory days of my life, that's tied very heavily to one Dominic Toretto. My my grandchildren are going to ask me, did everyone drink Corona back then? I was like, if you're part of the family. My grandchildren, <laughs> Dominic and Paul Walker. <laughs> <laughs> I just got sad thinking. But now I'm thinking about Channing Tatum as Bodie, and it's really doing a lot for me. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, it would have been better than the you remake about version. It, Magic Mike is just point break. He just ruins that fucking kid's life. Man, that kid deserved it. Yeah, that kid fucking sucks. <laughs> Wait, the little kid yeah, who sells him the surfboard? 
<laughs> no, I'm not falling into that joke. No, I'm not doing <laughs> that. Got me oh, I'm gonna, if you want, I can make it tragic. So he said, oh, you know, it's never too late. He's like, I'm 25. And uh, the kid's like, yeah, like I said, it's never too late. That kid ended up not making it to 25 in real life. Died of a drug overdose. <laughs> Why? Why did you look this up? I, went, I always go to the IMDb trivia, and I saw that. I was just like, oh, I'll mention that on the podcast. I'll cheer him up. So Thanks. <laughs> Committed to the best content, I see. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> so, uh, who else do I need to talk about? I think I think we hit on all the major actors in this movie. At least as far as I know. But uh, I I do. I, I also want to talk just briefly about the ending where he tosses his uh, badge into the ocean. John C. McGinley was right. He never should have been hired. Yeah. <laughs> Wasted the agency's <laughs> time and money. Right. Also, uh, for the ending... Hopefully this isn't a spoiler. Hopefully, hopefully everyone's seen that. I can't imagine what kind of idiot loser you'd have to be to not have seen this movie before 2019. What a turd. Anyway, uh, for <laughs> <laughs> for uh, him to just toss his uh, badge into the ocean, like he's uh, th- the guy from High Noon or Dirty Harry, just be like, yeah, I'm sick of the FBI now. He wasted all the agency's time and money and let the guy get away. And uh, by the way, James Cameron revealed that uh, that was basically Bodhi just killing himself uh which yeah i mean i think a lot of people had the idea in their head that he thought oh maybe he could get away you know they never find the body or something like that and they were trying to make a sequel but uh i mean the idea that they would make another point break that's just ridiculous on its face no you can't read that as anything else other than he's just letting him go out to the ocean to die (laughs) or he or just think about it's like one last wave you can say what you want about not wanting another Point Break sequel, but if we got another two hours and twelve minutes of Patrick Swayze, you oh, would no, change no. your tune real quick. I would be there immediately. If it's the, the deep blue sea two of Point Break, do not twist then, my words yeah. against me. Uh, I would give anything for more Patrick Swayze right now. Parker, I just thought about it like this. It's like that drill tweet. I produce a tiny surfboard from my tongue as I die. One last wave. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, any final thoughts about Point Break? I just didn't expect it to resonate with me as much as it did. Like, even though he's making up his past life, him just giving that speech about how he was living his parents' goals and not his own life is like, oh, okay, I thought I was going to watch a silly surfing movie. Time to <laughs> yeah, time to that. make some phone calls. <laughs> Oopsies. And then it turns out he was lying about that. Or Petty comes in out of nowhere. Anyway. Uh, well, actually, yeah, let's, let's talk about the playoffs. Three thirty in the fucking. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, not a particularly good week for any of us since we all heavily, heavily invested in the Chargers. So cool that I just kept saying like eight times, like, I know the Patriots are going to win. And then I still didn't bet on them. Oh, uh, you know. Of course. Well, we uh, we have some updated numbers here. Uh, Parker has 1,008. I have 1,325. And Chris is down to 135. Boy, you hate to see that happen. Uh, you really do. Yeah, well. Only two games this week. Um, and they both should be interesting and good. Uh, just as a lifeline check. I'm hanging on to my grinder. Chris is out of lifelines, and Parker has the grinder and the well, actually. <laughs> so, Parker, I'm going to let you go first on this first game. The Rams are at the Saints. The Saints are favored by three and a half. The over-under is 57. 
Holy shit. I'm going to regret this. But I'm going to take the over. Taking the over? How many minutes? Let's do three hours. Why not? Three hours, 180 minutes. I'm not minutes. super confident, but I'm not a coward. We have one game left. That's it, Parker. You're going to the grinder. Oh, I'm going to double that bad boy. There is no fucking way. <laughs> 360 on over. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I am up. And uh, I'm actually going to take the Rams with the points. I think this game's going to be close. I'm going to put uh, 240 minutes on the Rams. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of minutes, dude. I gotta do something. Alright, Chris? Chris. What are you gonna bet your half hour on? <laughs> yeah, what is what is the minimum here? Is it a half hour? It's a half hour. Great. If uh, you somehow go below a half hour of time. I'll have to take out a content loan. Uh, hey man, if you need some hours, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we can get that. Oh it's like I can get you the it's house rules of monopoly, old boy. I have to do a physical <laughs> challenge to get more we'll hours. Give you, we'll give you that loan. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. I bet James Brolin does a great job. I can't, in that, I can't pay it back that loan. Uh, the interest rate is going to be incredible. Loans. No matter the cost, I will get these loans. For- <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, this one's kind of tough to pick just because of all the injuries, you know, especially for New Orleans. Uh, I, I think I have to go with the Rams on this one. I will take uh, the Rams with the points. Um, okay. I, I just think that, you know, I think the real key to this matchup is going to be Todd Gurley. You know, if he is used appropriately, I mean, trade him off with of Not even the best running back on his team, Chris. <sighs> Who said that? <laughs> I, I'm never in the Discord during the game. Who said that? I don't remember. God, I wish I did. That's, that's <laughs> I, who? Who would I guess? Yellow Cyclone, Loaf, Broly. Loaf was at church, dude. Leave him. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I'm <laughs> really hoping to get his uh, his glass review. Oh man, I re- I'm going to put a different song underneath. Ed spoilers. It's not going to be from SpongeBob. <laughs> And uh, I guess let's move on to uh, the AFC. You didn't chip. give me a number, buddy. Oh, uh, half hour. How many minutes? Half hour. Of your one hundred. Half hour. All right, thirty. Asking for a friend. If he bets the rest he has, and I double it, and he doesn't have it, am I in content? Can I force him to take out a content load. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with maybe. <laughs> Boy, you hate to see that happen. <laughs> you don't have to do that. We're because we're friends. Okay, so AFC okay. Championship. All right, uh, Chris, you wanna you wanna lead us off with this one with your team? Okay, well we know that the rule is to never bet on your own team, but that kind of fucked me over last week. Uh, the reason I'm going to take the Patriots uh, to just the, I'm just going to take the Patriots um, is that it's going to be extremely cold, and I think the Patriots play extraordinarily well in the cold. I think it'll help limit Tyree Kill to an extent. The biggest problem here is not that the Patriots are playing on grass, but that they're playing away, and they have been the most dog shit away team the entire season. So I'm really kind of hoping that that uh, you know that that doesn't stick here. But I I think the Patriots have this. I'll put a half hour on them. Half hour on the Patriots money line. All right, Parker. 
Fucking two hours on the Patriots. Good things don't happen in the sport. I'm tired of falling for it every what year. What do you mean good things don't happen? The good thing happening would be the Patriots winning. Oh, I need the Muppet to win. Money line or you want the points? I'll take the points. Why not? Plus three. All right. I am taking that big stupid Muppet. You not because I think they're actually going to win. But because uh, Patrick because Mahomes I is the best quarterback in the league. I'm going to take Kansas him. City minus the three for three hours. I'm so tired of being burned every postseason. Like, oh, the Patriots didn't look good this year. And I just look like a fucking asshole every time. Also, man, would I love to see a uh, a Rams-Chiefs rematch of the Super Bowl. God, in a fucking that game. would be That's exactly good. why I picked the Patriots. Because good things like that don't happen. Tell me I'm wrong. You are. You're not wrong. Call. After my bird team let me down? Are you kidding me? <laughs> my birds and my cats? What? My cats and birds have failed me all playoffs long. Wait a second. Oh, I was at trivia with Josh. He said something stupid about the Chargers. What the fuck did he say about the Chargers? Oh, he said that they're some kind of team because they're... Uh, some kind of suicide No, 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 no. What, what did he call them? He, he called them... He didn't call them a bear team. He didn't call them a cat team. He didn't call them a bird team or something like that. But he, he, he made the claim that the Chargers were some type of animal or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, he, he said the Chargers are a horse team. I would text him, but his phone got stolen. <laughs> Good, he deserves it. God. First of all, for making Did that... Did you dab after you said that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I started dabbing in the car now. You inspired me. You're welcome, buddy. People in Texas don't take kindly to people <laughs> doing that in their car. It turns you out. know people are carrying around there. I know, but like every fourth car he passes is a truck, so you just know it makes him super mad. Like, just doing that black thing from Fortnite and just dabbing, going to the turn lane, and just scream at their steering wheel and go home and beat their girlfriend. It's fine. Like, uh, the South is cool. I just want to clear this up. The Chargers are not a horse team. Anyway, next episode. Uh, I I really do want to watch uh, Howard the Duck. I, I kind of feel like that would be really good fodder for us. There's there's a lot to say. And I know how much Alex likes comic book movies. I know how much Parker likes George Lucas. And I know how much I like Jeffrey Jones. So... <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual kinship with the man. I, <laughs> which of us got the worst of it there? I think that was like... The... A lot of hobbies. <laughs> Anyway, uh, next episode is uh, Howard the Duck. Hello, my friends. Please enjoy a short film review from our good friend Joel, recorded at Our Lady of Eternal Virginity. What's up, everybody? This is Joel. I use my AMC A-list to watch horrible movies, so you don't have to. And this week, I watched Glass, the third movie in a superhero trilogy series by director M. Night Shyamalan. It stars James McAvoy as that crazy dude from the film Split, Bruce Willis as the strong dude from the film Unbreakable, Uh, Sarah Paulson as some weird psychiatrist doctor lady, and Samuel L. Jackson as a smart, crazy, weak dude in a wheelchair, aka Professor Xavier from the X-Men. Man, you will love this movie if you love close-ups of Sarah Paulson's face and close-ups of Samuel L. Jackson's face where he acts like he's way drugged out and he twitches just a little bit. You'll also enjoy this movie 
if you like movies where talking pointless dialogue is 90% of the film's runtime. Uh, so the layout of this movie is essentially there's a minor action sequence in the beginning where crazy guy kidnaps much cheerleaders and Bruce Willis comes and uh, fights him. The police show up and take him to a mental institution uh, where Sarah Paulson is and she's treating them and trying to convince them that they're not superheroes. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson's already there, way drugged out of his mind, uh, because he also, I guess, is a comic book expert and uh, is convinced that his grand finale will be a showdown between Crazy Guy and Strongman. Uh, at the end, he's like, oh no, it wasn't a grand finale, it was an origin story. And then they all die. Um, and then it's revealed that Sarah Paulson isn't just a psychologist. She's part of some secret society that's all about repressing the existence of superheroes. But, oh, Samuel L. Jackson's smarter than her and hacked all the cameras. And now everybody knows that they're superheroes because he broadcasts them to a super secret, probably blue internet website where they discuss uh, real-life comic book characters. Yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, it's M. Night Shyamalan. This movie is a complete mess. Uh, don't waste your money. Don't attempt to read the plot summary on Wikipedia because it will not help you. And, uh, yeah. Find something else better to watch. Peace.